1: And welcome to the Arsenal way back again with you guys for another morning show. Every single Monday to Friday, 9.30 a.m., The Arsenal one will bring you the Arsenal Agenda, keeping you guys up to date with all the latest Arsenal information, reacting to the news and stories that are keeping us going every single day. And I'm joined today by Bailey. How are you doing, mate? Are you well?
0: Yeah, I'm good, Tom. Back-to-back wins. How can you not be happy on a Monday morning, eh?
1: How can you not be happy? As a fan of Arsenal Football Club, Arsenal winning games cannot make you happier. Jake, always a fan to have you on the show. Phil, how are you doing?
2: Cheers, thank you. No, I'm very good.
1: Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very good, mate. Very, very good. Good weekends all round. Um, let's kick off, though, and obviously, Bailey, you did the reaction show um, after the game. If you want to see some raw, uh, straight reactions of the game, you can go back and watch Bailey's thoughts with Umar after the game. Uh, make sure you go and check that out on the video. And uh, But just kind of looking into sort of the, the standout performances and some of the specifics from that game that has led us into kind of some thought processes around who can lead us into kind of a consistent run of, of games? And it was the goal scorer that stood out uh, for much of the attacking third, Bailey Erdegaard, with the free kick. But again, his pressing, same as we saw against Norwich, just full tilt, full time. And he is proven to be a real difference maker for us, isn't he?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think this is the first time I can say that we have, it looks like we have multiple leaders in the squad across all positions. Ramsdale looked like a leader. The way he was arguing with Tini which was just great to see. Gabriel Magales at the back directing things, great to see. And then, of course, as you said, Martin, er- Martin Erdegaard in the midfield, he leads by example. I think we've missed that in the midfield. We've had other. Creative midfielders in the past who hasn't been out, who haven't really been they had the leadership qualities that we need. But Martin Odegaard, he leads by the front. You could see when, when he's on the ball, he's, he just leads the team. His goal, of course, puts the team on his back, and he's vocal. I said this before; he's like a silent leader. He, um, mm. he's, he, that's his, That's the definition of him—a silent leader because he just leads by example. And the team's look so much better with him on the pitch. And of course, he releases, he relieves the creative burden for everyone smith and he kind of create himself, which is great to see as well.
1: Yeah, Jake, and and Odegaard played alongside Smith-Rowe in a weird kind of 4-3-3 formation that we've not seen. Partey playing as the sole number six, Smith-Rowe and Odegaard playing ahead of them, and you've got Saka, Aubameyang and Pepe in the front three. Do you think it's... The way in which Arsenal have kind of struggled to be dominant in games in regards to the creation of chances, besides that match against Norwich last week, do you think that's led into Arteta trying to play more, maybe even forcing us to be more creative and and with those frequency of chances being much higher?
2: I think so. Yeah, initially I was almost worried for Smith Rowe when Odegaard was per- permanently came in. I thought that might have been not it for him and at Arsenal, but I think, but I thought his minutes would have been hampered. Um, so it is refreshing to see both of them get chances and and I think they're both very good creative forces. So for them both in the side, I think Arsenal can only get better and I think Arsenal can only start to score more goals.
1: I think it's going to be going forwards a system that you may see against probably some of the, the the bottom half considered teams when it comes up against the North London Derby next weekend. We play against some of our more tougher opponents Arteta may revert to the, the two holding players and, and instead go for one. Or or you can still, of course, switch Smith-Rowe to a wider position. But I think it's good to see kind of a little bit of fluid change and assessing the opposition and, and changing accordingly based to them, but not yet making wholesale changes to the squad. If you think about it, we made one or two changes in the entire team and we were able to change the formation entirely. So that shows you kind of the, the versatility and, and how malleable the side can be. But... Whilst we can all highlight his, his leadership skills, uh, Aubameyang, again, Bailey, quite quiet and is the captain of the side, like from the, the armband being on his his, his arm, um, to, to, for the lack of a better word. But in the case of, of the striker, quiet, wasn't really able to get into the game too much. And again, very reliant on service that wasn't necessarily always there.
0: Yeah, I think Burnley is always a tough game, especially at Turf Moor for Aubameyang, because it's not his type of football match where the ball are in the air. He's in the air. He's having to win headers. He's having to be physical. I think he struggles, but I don't want to uh, criticise him too much because he saved us last week. And even the game against West Brom, he just shows how important he actually is to the squad, because I think if Aubameyang isn't there, our presence is completely gone. We saw against Chelsea and against Brentford at the start of the season, how important he actually is to the squad. But he does need to do more. I think his leadership qualities ain't as strong. I don't think he's captain, he is captain material, but I wouldn't say he's the leader that we need or the captain to take us forward. But in terms of his ability and his striking presence, we definitely need him.
1: It's a tough one, isn't it? Because he's not scored loads of goals recently. He scored that very you're not take away from him scoring it, but it was a place of right place, right time. Very fortunate cross from Pepe against Norwich. He got his hat-trick against West Brom, but there's a lot of con- context to that game with with them playing a very, very weak side and Arsenal playing a, a very strong side. Jay, are you concerned that if, say, a, d- a difficult decision not to, say, try a Lacazette or someone else could end up harming Arsenal in the long run or do they need to stick with Aubameyang and, and play him into four?
2: I think it's a really difficult one because... I, I see Aubameyang as the player that can win games for Arsenal. I think obviously his, his form hasn't been great over the last year or so goal, goal-wise, goal but I do think he still has that ability to win games by himself when he's on form. But at the moment, when I mean, you've got Lacazette with his contract expiring at the end of the season, he I, I wouldn't want to rely on a player that doesn't see their future at the club. It just doesn't sit right with me. And then obviously you have Balogun as well, who didn't have the best of openings with Brentford and then he's gone back to the academy under 23s and has scored goals I think it's difficult so I would definitely stick with Aubameyang because I do think he has that ability to win games by himself but I do worry for the long run when he does hit those dips of form what where the goals will come from.
1: Let's jump into the chat box. Thank you ever so much for everyone that's joining us today. really appreciate it. If you're joining us on Facebook, make sure you drop a like and a share over on there. If you're joining us on Twitter, give it a retweet and a like. And if you haven't already checked out the brand new YouTube channel, there's lots of content that isn't necessarily up on those Facebook and Twitter feeds. So it's imperative that you do jump over to the Arsenal Ways YouTube account, subscribe and like the videos and share it around to share it as many friends as you feasibly can. Uh, Chris showing the support in the chat as well. Kasim saying, Saka, must be benched. Didn't have the best game, of course, against Burnley. I, I'm kind of looking at him now as you see how he is for, for England and how good he is on the right-hand side and how electric he can be and vibrant and dynamic. And then when he's playing on the left for Arsenal, he not necessarily as kind of influential on the games. And, Bailey, do you think it's a case that we do need to think about maybe choosing between him or Pepe on the right and then using, a, say, an either a Bamiang on the left or a Martinelli on the left or a Smith-Rowe on the left. How do you think we should balance Pat Saka's play and position?
0: Yeah, because I, I wrote a piece recently looking at uh, the situation of Bakari Saka because he's only assisted one goal... Um, in 18 Premier League games and hasn't scored in that time either. And that was in last January, the last time he scored. It is worrying, definitely. I think he got a bit burnt out last season and now he's just struggling to to contribute to the goals for Arsenal this season. I think he's all round play. He hasn't been bad, of course. He won the free kick that Merton Erdegaard scored on the weekend, but he can definitely do more. He's not the sucker that, he, that we know, that we all know that he can be. And I think maybe, you know, just... Taking him out of the side for a couple of games might do him good. Bringing Marcelli in the left and just keep him out of the side just for a couple of games. Let him let him re, refamp and then come back into the team because we know he always, we know all about his qualities. But um, yeah, his goal contributions is definitely worrying. I've mentioned that in the past as well.
1: Mm. IGKHd says James Madison hasn't scored or assisted in seven months, and apparently he was worth. £70 million. Is there a context to this, Jake? Are we overreacting in regards to Saka's drop in form? Does does every player... We have to remember that he's still only 20 years of age as well.
2: Mm, I think think so to an extent. I think obviously we can't judge every player purely on goals and and assists all the time. I think, like you said, he's still young. I think it's important that Saka does get a rest as well and he is pulled out of the limelight a little bit. I think with his age, I think he needs that freedom to play without knowing that if he doesn't score or assist his team will lose and I think Mm -hmm. that's where the Aubameyangs like you said should step up and maybe even take places on the left wing and sort of ease that responsibility on him and I think as part of his development he just needs that that figurehead up top that can just ease him of that responsibility and I think that would be so important for him but like I said it is a little bit worrying but I don't think it's the end of the world
1: no, neither do I. Now Arsenal, as we said, have been lacking a few goals of late in the senior team at least, but a side that hasn't been lacking goals is the under-23. So absolutely Battered Chelsea 6-1, despite going down to 10 minutes as well. Balogun getting two, BRF with what, uh, with three, sorry. And Salah Adin, uh, yes, there is another Salah in this world. He popped up with a goal as well towards the end. And uh, it was obviously Arsenal have, have really struggled last season, the under-23s. They survived on the last day of the season. I think it was against Aston Villa just to stay up. But this season, second in the table, they go to Manchester City, who are currently top. And they could go top of the under-23s league if they win against Manchester City next week. Balogun being in there is a big plus for them. You would consider him basically a senior player at this point in time. Bailey. Is he with Wimbledon in midweek where we expect players like Balogun to be given an opportunity again to show what they can do? If Ramiang's poor form continues, is this a real opportunity for Balogun to show what he's worth? Absolutely. I don't
0: think there's actually a better time or chance for him. I think he was unfairly judged in the game against Brentford and he hasn't had the chance since. Of course, he came on against Chelsea, but that was really unfair. And I think that has really gone against him because... There was a lot of hype for Balogun and something that's just dropped after this performance against Brentford. And I think it was unfair due to the team he actually played and the chances to be created. So I think going back into the under-23s, coming back for Wimbledon and getting on the score sheet will do him a well of good, with do him so well. And I think with this current situation, considering with Enketia and Lacazette, who clearly don't want to be at the club, I think Balogun should step up and be the number two for now. I think Enketia should go to the on 23s and Balogun should be in the first team because he's signed a contract. And I personally feel that Balogun has the highest ceiling, but he just needs to show it. He needs to mm. score against Wimbledon and I think he'll just kick on from there, really.
1: He's interested to see if he actually starts the game because yang has been playing every game so far, but that means Lacazette's not been getting any minutes. So there's kind of an expectation that Lacazette will probably be given quite a big chance in this game, Jake. And you've got to think that Eddie Nketiah is still there as well. Balogun could not even start this game. There's a possibility he may not play. If he doesn't, do you think that falls quite heavily in a negative sense on Arteta's team selection for midweek?
2: I think so, in a way. Like Bailey said, I think it would be massive for Balogun to come back into the team and, and score. But I'm looking at this game in the week in the Carabao Cup thinking... Maybe Arteta wants to approach it the same way he approached the West Brom game. I know we you, have just won two games in a row, successive clean sheets, but I think it's important that Arsenal build upon their momentum at the moment ahead of the uh, North London derby. I think it would be massive if, I know it's it's Wimbledon, like you said, but I think it'd be massive if you kept that third successive clean sheet, had a rampant win. I think it, it would be massive. So I do worry that Balogun might not even play I think that it could be an opportunity for Lacazette and even Aubameyang on the wing. Um, So I do worry in a sense, but either way, I think it's a good opportunity to look ahead to Tottenham.
1: We are going to go into the chat box in just a second to go through your questions to round off the show. So if you do have a a question or a query that you'd like to ask the boys, then please make sure you do throw it into the chat box, and we'll do our best to get through them. Just before we do, though, um, there is some players that are of an Arsenal persuasion that are not currently at the club and yet still having a wonderful time. Um, Hector Bellerin got an assist for El Betis yesterday in their 2-2 draw against Espanyol, and is going fairly well. I don't know if you've seen the assist, but it was very tenacious. So he won the ball back in the side of his opposition's 18-yard box and laid it back for Nabil Fekir of all people to put the ball away, uh, and then of course are the Marseille twins, as they're being described, Matteo Genduzzi and William Saliba. Uh, getting a fantastic win for themselves uh, against it was uh, Wren I believe it was they won 2-0 against and went second in, in league on a table and Saliba has been fantastic for them so far he's been their best defender by, by quite a distance and it coincides Bailey with a, a trickier weekend for Ben White It wasn't bad by any means he obviously had a, a very poor back pass that nearly led to a penalty for Burnley had it not been overturned but Dealt in the air quite well, unexpectedly quite well. I think he had the second highest aerial dual win percentage behind Tommy Asu. So that, that was good. But when you see William Saliba doing so well and there are criticisms being leveled towards Ben White, do you think the fan base have a right to be frustrated that Saliba's not in the Arsenal lineup this season?
0: Yeah, I do feel sorry for Ben White because it's like he's got a ghost that's been continuously haunting yeah. William Saliba in France. Like any time <laughs> now he has a bad performance, Ben uh, Saliba is always going to be on his shoulders looking, having a good performance. And the fans are always going to compare the two due to their similarities. But once again, I think it's hard to compare because Ben White was against a tough Burnley side, whereas the league online is less physical, it's less ferocious. So maybe if you switched the roles, it would have been the same way. So. But Ben White definitely struggled. He had he had Gabriel Magalas next to him and Tommy with had excellent performances, so they were able to dig him out. But it is worrying that Saliba is performing week in, week out, and we have Pablo Mari and Rob Holding on the bench when we could have Saliba there just to cover in and come in, definitely.
1: Joe, do you think it is fair, the criticism so far of Ben White? But with, with six games, or will be six games into the season after the North London derby in regards to league matches, Ben White's come off the back of a £50 million transfer, a fee that wasn't his fault. Like He doesn't determine how much he goes for. And he doesn't also determine the fact that there's this Saliba situation going on at Arsenal. Is it unfair, the criticism that's been levelled at him so far, or that people have a right to criticise a £50 million sign?
2: I think people do have a right to be fair. I think, obviously, like you said, it's not his choice what fee is put on his head. But when you do arrive for £50 million, I think, he sh- he will know deep down that he has to perform and I th- he, he he will know that um and he will also know that joining arsenal arsenal are a club that will be looking to get back into the european places and and at, playing for a team that want those european places and and being back in amongst the top 6 top 4 there is very little margin for error and i think it, he will know that and it is hard on him but i do see saliba's development in league 1 league 1 has been a um, uh, good for him. I think it will be a good pressure and it will test him, I think.
1: I think it will. I think there's an opportunity for both Wyatt and Saliba this season to, to push themselves forwards. And I've always kind of been in favour of Saliba going on loan this season because I just knew he wasn't going to play under Arteta. Like, it was as simple as that. And if you're not going to get minutes, I'd rather you were playing somewhere else and playing week in, week out and developing and proving why you should be in the team and and that's kind of where we sit with him we are going to finish off the show as we always do by jumping into the chat box and getting your questions so let's start with ggtv for you bailey says tom i've got highlights of arsenal's own 23s go on my channel if anyone wants to see it did you catch the highlights bailey have you seen any of the goals so far
0: I've seen a few of the goals and I can, tell, I can tell you the Chelsea commentator was not happy with any of the goals.
1: <laughs> as you wouldn't be, as is the way with Arsenal and Chelsea-specific commentators. The bias is very much real. Let me throw you a proper question from Matthew who says, If our new signings all perform well this season, who should get the majority of the credit for bringing them in? Edu, Arteta or Richard Garlick?
0: Look, with all the criticisms that uh, Edu and Arteta have received in the window and going forward, I think it has to be given to Edu and Arteta. I think fans were doubtful of the two after the start to the season, losing against Brentford and Chelsea, and we weren't bringing in any big names, but they stuck to their guns. They had a clear idea, and now, now it looks like it's actually playing off due to the leadership we've seen in the squad and the results that are starting to change. So I'd give it all to Edu and Arteta personally.
1: It's interesting, isn't it, um, Jake, because Arteta was officially kind of credited with Ramsdale and Tomiyasu uh, and Erdegar as players that he specifically pushed for and wanted. And there's a lot of pressure on Arteta, but it is those three players that have been standouts alongside Gabriel, another player that came in under Arteta, that are really turned things turning things around for the club.
2: Well, I think I think that's important to consider as well. I think those are players that Arteta wanted and they are performing. Um but I remember saying a, a few few days ago when we were on here talking about Edu and his comments about um, not wanting a or not having a ideal finish by the end of the season. I think I, I remember saying that I felt sorry for him a little bit as he was thrown in front of the bus by the board as sort of the, the person that would take all the slack from the fans. Um, so I do think a lot of praise will have to go to Edu if these signings do pay off.
1: Mm, absolutely, uh, John asks Bailey. Really, do we make eleven changes for Wednesday? Do you rest every single one of your North London Derby players? I
0: wouldn't change eleven players. That's a bit excessive. But I would change majority Who, of the
1: squad. Who do you stay? Who stays? That's a good question. I
0: think I'd rest Gabriel and Ben White. I think I'd keep Tommy Yasu in. And I think mm. Mm, I'd rest Tom Part. I'll rest Thomas Party, of course. And I'll probably keep Edi Guardian. Maybe just a couple of players just to keep the System going, but I wouldn't um, play that. I wouldn't make eleven changes because that's just too risky. I think, but keeping so, yeah. once again, keeping eleven players in, that's also risky for injuries, etc. So I wouldn't. Do yeah,
1: that I, I think I would, Bailey. I think I would make eleven. I think I'd, if it was me, I'd go for for Leno in goal. I'd go for Cedric holding Marie Tavares, Sambi Laconga Maitland Niles. Um, I'd go for a front line of Lacazette, Balogun as kind of two, maybe Balogun playing off Martinelli. Would come in as well. I suppose the only one that you can keep is a 10, one of Smith Rowe and, and Erdogan. And I suppose you're probably right. Erdogan is, is the one that you probably would keep in in that lineup. But Maybe I will take him out and put Charlie Patino in there because I'd like to see Charlie Patino given a few minutes, um, and I think that's that's a key one to see Arsenal given the opportunities to those youngsters. He's kind of more of a centre midfielder than a ten, but maybe we can kind of sort a, a, a weird four-two-two-two kind of formation that's that's often used by the likes of Man City at times. Um, Daniel Roberts says, Jake, what was your opinion on Moyes bringing on Noble to take a penalty? Would you do the same with a Bamiang or Pepe? I think it's easy
2: to look in hindsight to say no, I wouldn't do it because I think Mark Noble has still has an incredible penalty record. I think I can't remember how many consecutive penalties he had scored in the Premier League, but I think it was into the double figures. So I think it's easy to look in hindsight and say oh, I wouldn't do it, but I, I wouldn't have done it myself. And with Uber and Pepe, I don't think so. I think Arsenal do have a lot of technically gifted players, so that. If it did come down to it, I'd I'd let someone who's who's warm take it.
1: Fair enough. Um, I think that I would go down the route of erring on the side, as you say. Of it's easy with hindsight to, to look back on these. I mean, you look at uh, Louis van Howe brought on Tim Krul as a goalkeeper in a. Was it the, the Euros uh, in 20... I want to say something like... Was it the World Cup or the Euros? I can't yeah, it was World remember. Cup
0: 2014, World, I think.
1: 2014, I there you go. Um, and that was just an inspired decision that that got them through. So it's all with the benefit of hindsight, we can, we can say these things. Thank you for all the questions, people. Sorry that we didn't get to go through all of them. We only get 20 or so minutes every single morning to go through these. So we'll try and get to your questions tomorrow. Do join us every single weekday, Monday to Friday, 9 9.30 a.m. This is not your last show of the day, though. I'm going to be joined by Zach Lowy a little bit later on today to talk through the tactical sides of the game on Saturday, seeing how Arteta's tactics won us the game, specifically looking at how Ramsdale had an impact on the team, Martin Odegaard as well, and where obviously Arsenal can improve through some tweaks to the likes of Ben White's game and stuff like that. So do join us about 4 p.m. UK time. Make sure you turn those notifications on, and then you'll get told when the shows go live. So you can join us i'd like to thank my panel though bailey always a pleasure mate always a pleasure mate always pleasure and jake cheers fella much appreciate it
2: cheers thank you like bailey said it's always a pleasure mate
1: please if you haven't already drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the arsenal way to keep yourselves up to date with everything that's going on in the arsenal world plus the likes of podcasts and some fun videos there's some should all things go to plan, a very fun video coming out this week in which I hugely embarrass myself, it's it's fair to say. But I look forward to showing you guys that very soon. Keep it real, keep it Arsenal, and as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. 49,
2: 49, 49.